Well, first of all, we would like to welcome you to the jazz show, the Thanksgiving edition today, and wish you, of course, a happy Thanksgiving. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'm your host here, as I am every Monday night, with uh, some of the very best in jazz music. And we do have a lot of great music to play for you this evening. Last week on our jazz feature, which always tops off our show uh, every, uh, every week. Uh, last week, we celebrated the 102nd birthday of the great pianist, composer, and jazz icon Thelonious Monk. One of his best friends is celebrating his, or was, celebrating on October 11th, his 100th birthday anniversary, his centenary. And I'm talking about the great drummer, band leader, another jazz icon, someone who, through his bands, brought, I think, more people to the attention of the jazz community. I'm talking about the great drummer, Art Blakey. As Art would always say when he introduced his band, he would say, and me, I'm Mrs. Blakey's favorite son. As a matter of fact, I'm her only son. (laughs) He would do that in his great sonorous voice. Um, Blakey was, of course, uh, an incredible institution. He's always been a big part of the jazz show. We, we, We do feature a lot of Art Blakey recordings. Uh, He did so many of them, and of course he had so many editions of the Jazz Messengers, and that's the very thing I was talking about, was that so many musicians passed through the Jazz Messengers. Um, His philosophy was no, no one was there to stay. You got in because you could really play, and Blakey heard uh, something in your playing that attracted him, so he hired you. But you weren't going to stay there forever. You were going to move on. You were going to learn a whole lot, and uh, you were going to develop your your playing or your uh, playing and composing if, if you had that talent. And then eventually you were going to move on, and uh, the, the, there would be a time to do that, whether um, your career demanded it or whether uh, you were just ready to form your own group and fly on your own, that sort of thing. So uh, musicians passed through uh, the jazz messengers over the years. Um, Blakey first formed um, a big band uh, back in the late 40s, and it was um, not well recorded. As a matter of fact, they were cut down to an octet and made a couple of single recordings uh, for Blue Note, 
Um, and they were the original jazz messengers. Then uh, Blakey went to Africa for um, a year or so uh, to study drumming and culture there and came back and, of course, became um, part of a lot of people's bands during the 50s. He worked with Miles Davis. He worked with all kinds of people and, and did um, all kinds of recordings. But eventually, around 1954, uh, he decided, along with some other people, uh, including pianist Horace Silver and trumpeter Kenny Dorham, young tenor saxophonist then, Hank Mobley, and, and another young man on bass, Douglas Watkins from Detroit, who just arrived in New York. Um, it was decided that they would form a cooperative band and call themselves the Jazz Messengers. And it was a cooperative band, and uh, whoever got the gig... Um, that was fine. There was actually no leader. But, of course, Blakey was the spirit behind the whole thing. And that cooperative um, agreement carried on for a couple of years, and eventually um, the band broke up. And Blakey then took over the name uh, of Jazz Messengers, and, and his bands after the cooperative period became Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. And there were many, many editions of the Jazz Messengers. Um, some lasted a long time. Some only were very short-lived. Um, many were recorded, and some were never recorded, not recorded at all. They're only the subject of legend. You had to be there, in other words. However, this particular recording was at the tail end of this band's existence. Uh, this band formed with this personnel that we're going to listen to this evening in 1961. Um, Wayne Shorter was the tenor saxophonist in the band and the musical director. And trombonist Curtis Fuller was about to be added to the band. Blakey usually worked with a quintet. This was going to be a sextet. Uh, Lee Morgan was departing, and of course the, the great Lee Morgan was, uh, had become a bit of a problem uh, on reliability and so on and so forth for a variety of reasons, and he was replaced by a new young firebrand of the trumpet, and I'm talking about Freddie Hubbard. So Freddie Hubbard replaced Lee Morgan in the band. Pianist Bobby Timmons had been a big part of that band, uh, but he was ready to fly under his own steam, and uh, he was ready to form his own working trio. So he left, and a young man from Texas came in in the piano bench. His name, Cedar Walton. Blakey's mainstay on bass, uh, that he affectionately called him the workhorse of the bass, was Philadelphia-born Jimmy Merritt. Eventually, Jimmy left the band, and he was replaced by a young man who had w been working with John Coltrane, a young man by the name of Reginald Workman. So that was the personnel, and they remained um, intact from 1961 until 1964, which brings us to our jazz feature album. This album was recorded toward the end of this band's existence, um, several members were beginning to make noises about leaving, forming their own groups, uh, all that kind of stuff. And 
and yet the band was still together. They had a lot of gigs, and they were working uh, steadily and, of course, recording. They went into the studio and made this particular recording in February of 1964. And this is an amazing recording. It's called Free For All. There's only four tunes on this album. But the intensity of the music, uh, when really reflected what this band could do in person. Uh, we've all heard that, you know, records are very good and CDs and so on. What we listen to now, MP3, whatever, um, they're good representations of famous bands. But uh, you'll hear people say, well, if you've never heard this band in person, you really haven't heard them. <laughs> so this recording... Um, I had the pleasure of hearing this band a couple of times, and this recording uh, that we're going to listen to this evening, although it was done in the studio, um, really reflected the way this band could play in person on a good night when they were inspired. And um, this recording has become a classic, and that's why to celebrate uh, Art, the 100th year of Art Blakey's birth, um, this is why I picked this recording of the many, many recordings of the Jazz Messengers. This is a very special record. So, um, just like you, uh, just like to mention that Art Blakey was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, October 11th, 1919, and died in 1990. Died of cancer, sad to say. Back to this recording. The people involved here. You might have gathered Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Curtis Fuller on trombone, Wayne Schroeder on tenor saxophone, Cedar Walton on piano, Reginald Workman on bass, and of course Art Blakey on drums. The music is almost too powerful for Rudy Van Gelder's recording studio. <laughs> it really is. And uh, the band is playing all out for their lives. And the first tune really shows off uh, where this band is at. It's a composition by Wayne Shorter. It's the title track, and it's called Free For All. Tune number two features that famous backbeat that Art Blakey um, perfected. I don't think any other drummer could play a backbeat like Art Blakey. And he features that on the second Wayne Shorter composition called Hammerhead. Tune number two. Tune number three is... Maybe my favorite on the whole album. It's the most complicated composition. It's by Freddie Hubbard. And Freddie wrote this for the Congress of Racial Equality. That was one of the civil rights groups that were happening in the mid-60s. There were several of them, um, SNCC, CORE, and, uh, of course, the Black Panthers. Um, there was a, a militancy in the... Um, drive for civil rights. And, of course, we had people like Martin Luther King um, going to the southern states. We had people like Malcolm X. Uh, these were uh, incredible people, and they were fighting against the innate um, built-in racism in the United States. And Freddie wrote this tune in honor of the Congress of Racial Equality, and he called it The Core because that was the uh, uh, short name for Congress of Racial Equality, C-O-R-E. 
There you go. So that's tune number three, and uh, that's one hell of a composition. And Blakey's drumming on there is unbelievable. The final tune kind of relaxes and gets into a, a beautiful groove uh, where some of the band uh, pick up percussion instruments. Uh, the feel on the final tune is what I would call a funky bossa nova. And uh, the, the melody was written by a wonderful West Coast pianist by the name of Claire Fisher. And it became one of his best-known compositions, and the band does it justice. The tune is called Pensativa, and it kind of brings everything down to a nice, relaxed groove. And, of course, you hear Blakey throughout this album um, yelling encouragement to the soloist to keep playing, go, uh, It's pretty amazing. So there really is this live feeling connected with this recording. So that's it. Our tribute to the great Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers and the album on our jazz feature this evening to open our show. Look out. It's going to hit you real hard. The album is called Free For All, and that's the first tune we're going to hear. Here we go.
And that's our jazz feature this evening. In dedication to the centenary of the great drummer, band leader, jazz icon, Art Blakey. Art was born in Pittsburgh on October 11th, 1919. So we're a few days late because <laughs> we're only here on Monday nights, but uh, I thought that I would um, pay tribute to Art Blakey this evening with this incredible uh, document. My only regret is that they didn't discover more tunes uh, from this recording session, and we only have these four tunes. And the recording session was absolutely amazing, as you heard, and the intensity of the band. They were playing for their lives here, and uh, this was like hearing the band on a really, really good night in person. And it had that kind of intensity, and yet it was done in Rudy Van Gelder's studio. It was almost too much for his equipment as well, because the power of the band um, was uh, was pretty incredible. And, of course, it was um, a band that uh, had been together with the same personnel since 1961. All of this was recorded in February of 1964, just a few months before uh, this band split amoeba-like in, in, in different directions, and people left to, uh, to form their own bands. And, of course, uh, this pleased Art Blakey because, uh, as I mentioned before, as a band leader, uh, when he hired someone um, to join the Jazz Messengers, he said, you know, your time here isn't forever, and uh, eventually you'll find your, find your wings and uh, lead your own bands and uh, have your own music played and so on and so forth. But this is one of the best starts you're ever going to have. This is better than any college education. Blakey would, <laughs> uh, was, was quite a preacher. Um, and uh, he certainly had his unique musical philosophy and also one of the greatest drummers in jazz music. We'll be hearing um, a few more examples of Art Blakey's playing uh, a little later on in the show. The personnel here, of course, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Curtis Fuller on trombone. The musical director of the band was Wayne Shorter, and, of course, he played the tenor saxophone. On piano, Cedar Walton. On bass... Reginald Workman, and of course on drums, Art Blakey. Only four tunes graced this album. The album was called Free For All, and the title track was the first tune we heard, written by Wayne Shorter. The second tune, another shorter composition, featured the inimitable Blakey backbeat, and uh, that was um, a bluesy thing called Hammerhead. Then Freddie Hubbard's great composition dedicated to the Congress of Racial Equality, one of the civil rights groups that was very prominent at the time um, and short for the Congress of Racial Equality was their uh, name, CORE. And uh, Freddie Hubbard called his composition THE CORE. So um, that particular tune, I think, was one of the highlights of this album. And finally... To bring things down to a nice, relaxed groove, um, Claire Fisher's wonderful melodic composition entitled Pensativa, and of course uh, played by the band, and uh, several members of the band also picked up the you know cowbells and stuff like that to add to the uh, add to the groove of the tune. 
So that was it, Pensativa, and a, a perfect closer for um, the intensity that preceded um, everything on this album. Free for All, Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, recorded for Blue Note Records. And, of course, it's one of his finest of many, many fine albums. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. Excuse me. (laughs) I'm here, too. Um, 101.9, of course, on your FM dial. Or... Uh, www.citr.ca and we shall return uh, in a very few moments with some more music. My name is Gavin Walker and this is The Jazz Show. Are you a BIPOC individual at UBC who's interested in journalism? Well, the UBC, UBC official student newspaper, has a dedicated space for you. The UBC staff and UBC journalism students have launched the Canadian Journalists of Color UBC Chapter Facebook group. We're also aiming to host meetings, speakers, and workshops in the near future. You can search for us on Facebook or give us a shout at coordinating at ubc.ca. Hey guys, please vote in this federal election. Pretty please? Please? Actually, no. You know what? F*** this. I'm not going to beg you. Get the f*** out there and vote. This is your right and your responsibility. Don't give me that political apathy bullshit. Uh, what's the point? We're in a climate crisis, an opioid crisis, and a housing crisis. Your vote can actually do something about those things. We know the system is messed up, so let's fix it. Start by voting. Election day is October 21st. To register, find early voting dates, and any other info, please, please visit elections.ca. Yes, if you haven't voted, please do. We're going to turn now to tenor saxophonist Charlie Rouse. Charlie Rouse was, of course, Thelonious Monk's tenor saxophonist for 11 years. And, uh, of course, all the recordings from about 1959 on by Thelonious Monk always had Charlie Rouse on on tenor, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone. Monk had been aware of Charlie Rouse for a long time, and uh, when um, the opportunity, of course, Monk had some great saxophone players in the band. His favorite was actually Sonny Rollins, and of course, he had that uh, momentous quartet uh, with John Coltrane, and he really brought John Coltrane to the fore uh, in in his quartet. And after Coltrane left to rejoin Miles Davis. Um, Thelonious Monk hired Johnny Griffin, uh, who's dynamic um, and very different kind of uh, tenor saxophonist. And uh, eventually Griffin left. Um, He wanted to pursue some other uh, venues and and career opportunities. And Monk was kind of looking for, I know that all the the saxophone players in New York at one time uh, were phoning Monk's wife, Nellie, who was sort of an agent for Thelonious, and saying, you know, I'd like to, uh, uh, um, <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to uh, audition 
uh, for uh, um, the tenor saxophone uh, position in, in, in Thelonious' quartet uh, because they all knew that uh, Johnny Griffin had left. But Monk had Charlie Rouse in mind, and, and Charlie Rouse had a deep kind of uh, beautiful sound, much like Sonny Rollins, and, um, and he had his own way of playing um, that Monk loved. And uh, it was kind of an unsentimental approach to the saxophone. Now, the thing is, Rouse um, was, became very, very prominent in Monk's Quartet. But he recorded very few albums during this period under his own name. This is one of them. We're going to hear a couple of tunes from an album that came out on Epic Records called Yeah! And... It features Rouse um, with uh, a very fine pianist by the name of Billy Gardner, who was around New York at the time, and uh, Peck Morrison on bass and David Bailey on drums. And this is kind of a different Charlie Rouse than what you would hear with Thelonious Monk. Um, But it still is very much Charlie Rouse. And we're going to hear two tunes, maybe more from uh, this album called Yeah. Here is um, Billy Gardner tune, the piano player on the date. He wrote this tune <laughs> dedicated to himself. It's called the Billy's Blues. And then we're going to hear a, a, a Charlie Rouse composition entitled Rouse's Point. So there you go, Charlie Rouse and company. Thank you. 
That's from a really nice album by Charlie Rouse, uh, showing different sides of his playing, but uh, very different, I feel, from uh, the way he would have played with uh, Thelonious Monk. And, of course, at that time, when this was recorded, he was in Monk's employ. And, of course, Rouse remained uh, Monk's right-hand man for 11 years on tenor saxophone. But here... um, Wonderful album recorded for a Columbia subsidiary, uh, Epic Records, um, and it featured uh, Mr. Rouse on tenor saxophone with Billy Gardner on piano, very tasty piano player, and uh, Peck Morrison, John Peck Morrison on bass, and David Bailey on drums. And we heard three tunes. Uh, The first one was um, by Billy Gardner called Billy's Blues, and uh, the second tune was a Charlie Rouse uh, original, an up-tempo thing called Rouse's Point. And um, the third tune we heard was that uh, classic by Mr. Ray and Mr. DePaul, You Don't Know What Love Is. And uh, a nice, relaxed version of, of that tune, showing the many sides of uh, the tenor saxophone stylings of one of the giants of that instrument, Mr. Charlie Rouse. Yeah. All right. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9, the Thanksgiving edition. And, of course, uh, we're very thankful to be living here, Um, such a great country we live in. We have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, we all know there's problems, and we can get negative about this and that and the other thing, but are we ever lucky to be living in these times and this particular country? You know, you really have to be thankful. So we have a lot to be thank- thankful for, so happy Thanksgiving Day. We are um, going to carry on with uh, something like this. Oh, by the way, you are listening to The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is CITR FM 101.9, or of course, uh, live streaming www.citr.ca. some of that weather this uh, this week. Tonight is um, increasing cloud with a low down to about 8. And tomorrow is going to be cloudy with a few showers beginning in the afternoon with a low of 8 and a high of 14. The outlook for the rest of the week doesn't uh, really appear to be too promising. So get your umbrellas out and all that kind of stuff because we're going to see quite a bit of rain, um, seasonal rain. I guess you could call it. 
this time of year, it, you know, it happens. So Wednesday, rain and windy with a low of 10 and a high of 13. Thursday is rain, same temperature range, a low of 10, high of 13. Friday, rain, low of 9, high of 12. Saturday, oh, periods of rain. Um, uh-huh. We may get a break once in a while for five minutes, more rain, with a low of 8 and a high of 12. Sunday, also periods of rain with a low of 7 and a high of 12. So that's the um, outlook uh, <laughs> for the week. And uh, we still have a lot to be thankful for, like I said. <laughs> there, you, there you go. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. I've been accused sometimes of uh, not playing um, vocalists on uh, the jazz show, but uh, you know I have played vocalists, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe not as often as uh, as I should, according to some people. And uh, so this time I'm going to play a vocalist that happens to be a, perf- uh, a, a personal favorite of mine. And uh, he passed away a few years ago, sad to say, but he was an incredibly talented piano player. As a matter of fact, he made his debut when he was 11 years old playing with Gene Krupa um, back in the 50s. And um, he also uh, sang and uh, composed he composed a, um, actually a hit tune. Um, some of you older people that listen to pop music may remember a tune called He's My Brother. He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Well, that was composed by this guy. And, of course, he, he did lots of things. And, and I love his singing voice. It's not a great voice like, um, say, Tony Bennett or Frank Sinatra or something. The voice has, has some rough edges. But it's so personal, and his phrasing, um, I, I really enjoy this album. So we're going to hear three tunes from this album called For Sentimental Reasons. The person I'm talking about is Bobby Scott, and a multi-talented man. And uh, we hear his piano playing here and his singing, along with uh, Steve Lespina on bass and Ronnie Zito on drums. And all of this was recorded in New York City and produced by the redoubtable Tio Machiro as well. So we're going to hear a tune uh, to open the set called Night Lights. And uh, then we're going to move to a tune called What'll I Do? Uh, Night Lights was written, um, I believe, by uh, Chester, Chester Kahn. And uh, What Will I Do was written by Irving Berlin, the famous Irving Berlin. And tune number three, called I'll, I Keep Going Back to Joe's, is a tune written by uh, Jack Siegel and Marvin Fisher. And it's my favorite track of the whole album. So we're going to hear Night Lights, Irving Berlin's What Will I Do, and I Keep Going Back to Joe's. And this is a great tune, the tune number three, It's about a guy 
that he's just been dumped by his girlfriend or wife, his partner, and he's lonely. And he goes to the bar called Joe's, his favorite spot, where they used to go when they were a couple. And he's hoping that she'll walk in. And you'll hear the words. It's kind of a male torch song, and it is the highlight of this particular album. Bobby Scott really treats this tune beautifully. So, Night Lights first, What'll I Do second, and I keep going back to Joe's, tune number three. The great, late Bobby Scott.
Is a kiss of you. What'll I do? What'll I do with just with just a photograph to tell my trouble? When I'm alone with only dreams, dreams of you that I won't come true.
Just a photograph to tell my troubles, tell my troubles too. I keep going back to Joe's To the table in the corner Sipping wine and staring at the door Our old waiter knows we're through Still he sets a place for you Everything the way it was before I keep going back to Joe's But the guy who plays piano Never plays your favorite melody Joe keeps busy at the bar Never asks me where you are He was there when you walked out on me Now I pray you walk back in And you'll say what fools we've been And we'll celebrate a new beginning 
Chances are you'll never show But you'll know just where to find me Every night until it's time to close Just in case you miss me too I'll be there to welcome you That's why I keep going back to Joe's
I keep going back to Joe's To the table in the corner Sipping wine and staring at the door Our old waiter knows we're through Still he sets a place for you Everything the way it was before I keep going back to Joe's But the guy who plays piano Never plays your favorite melody Joe keeps busy at the bar Never asks me where you are He was there when you walked out on me Now I pray you'll walk back in And you'll say what fools we've been And we'll celebrate a happy new beginning Chances are you'll never show But you'll know just where to find me Every night until it's time to close Just in case you miss me too I'll be there to welcome you That's why I keep going back to Joe's Just in case you me too I'll be there to welcome you that's why I keep going We heard three songs by the late, great Bobby Scott, who, uh, of course, began his career when he was just a kid. He was 11 years old, and he was playing on stages all over the United States with Gene Krupa and all kinds of people and went on to some uh, great things. This is uh, from a later period. All of this was recorded in 1989 in New York City. Bobby Scott singing and playing the piano and Steve Lespina on bass, and Ronnie Zito on drums, and we heard three tunes. The first one was Night Lights, and the second tune was Irving Berlin's What'll I Do, and the third tune was my favorite track of the whole album. Um, Yeah, the guy's lady left him, and uh, he was hoping she'd come back to their favorite bar, and of course, it ain't gonna happen. And of course... uh, That leads to the song, I Keep Going Back to Joe's. Bobby Scott, from his uh, album on the Music Masters label, called For Sentimental Reasons. 
And uh, as I mentioned before, he's one of my favorite singers. Very, uh, very expressive and uh, wonderful piano player. Very, very talented man, Bobby Scott. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. Or, of course, um, for live streaming, www.citr.ca. This is The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker. And uh, we have just a couple of things I'd like to uh, mention before we carry on with some more music. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's we're going to be playing in a very few moments a big band led by Art Blakey. And um, it was basically put together for uh, a recording session because Art Blakey didn't lead uh, during his career uh, for any length of time a big band. But uh, this was a special project. And, and Blakey, of course, uh, known for his small group work, was also one of the great inspiring big band drummers as well. Just a couple of uh, websites that um, are of interest. If you're just getting into the jazz community, we have a, a wonderful one right here in Vancouver, and we have some of the most talented musicians in the country uh, that live right here. And, of course, um, there are places where they play and uh, all kinds of gigs around. One of the great websites to get onto is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And that's a comprehensive website kept up to date. Uh, Coastal Jazz and Blues uh, is the organization that produces the big jazz festival every year. And they also produce concerts throughout the year that are well worth hearing. And uh, you can check out that. Also, the schedule of Frankie's Jazz Club, which, of course, is uh, located on Beatty Street, right across from BC Place. Some of our finest musicians play there. And that club is booked by Corey Weeds, of course, who ran the uh, cellar, um, Corey Weeds Cellar, out on West Broadway for many, many years, 13 years it was. And, of course, he, is, um, he puts together... Uh, so many great musicians and combinations of musicians to play at uh, Frankie's. And the atmosphere there is always good, sight lines, and great sound um, audio in the place, too. So there you go. And the schedule is on the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Um, you can find out uh, maybe an, uh, an artist or two, or three that you want to hear, you can uh, make reservations and do all that kind of stuff on that website. And another fine website to uh, check out the Vancouver jazz scene is vancouverjazz.com. And that's put together by my old friend Brian Nation. He does uh, a good job, um, an amazing job, as a matter of fact, administering that site. And there's all sorts of uh, valuable information on there. And you can find out about uh, our extensive um, music and jazz community right here in Vancouver. So that's uh, coastaljazz.ca and vancouverjazz.com. And, of course, I always like to mention Pat's Pub. Uh, that, of course, is located at Vancouver's colorful downtown east side and in the historic Patricia Hotel. And very, very comfortable spot. And the sound quality is good down there. And, of course, it's a legendary place um, in uh, Pat's Pub. And they have jazz there every Saturday afternoon. Some of our finest musicians play there. 
And the nice thing about Pat's Pub is that there is never, ever, and never has been a cover charge. So if you're economically um, like a lot of people, you don't have a lot of money to spend, that's the place to go and hear some of uh, the finest jazz in the country right there at Pat's Pub. Every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 7. And uh, if you get there early, you can get a, a really good seat um, because the place is usually quite packed, rain or shine. And by all stretch of uh, the weather forecast, it's going to be kind of uh, a rainy Saturday. So a really good place to go because um, that will brighten up your day. Pat's Pub in the Patricia Hotel. Okay, back to music, and uh, this is the, the Art Blakey Big Band, and there's all kinds of all-star musicians in the band, including John Coltrane um, playing one of the saxophones, Walter Bishop Jr. on piano, and um, Donald Byrd on trumpet, and Melba Liston, a wonderful trombonist. Uh, it's a big band, and uh, um, the arrangements are by uh, different people, of course, and... Uh, we're going to hear three tunes. The first tune is called Midriff, and it's written by a guy named Jerry Valentine, who, of course, go, goes back, and uh, he was a, a very, very competent arranger. Uh, second tune is written by Al Cohn, uh, who plays one of the tenor saxophones in the, in the band alongside John Coltrane. Anyway, he wrote the arrangement for the second tune. It's called Ain't Life Grand. And the third tune we're going to hear is by trombonist Melba Liston, and uh, she wrote uh, tune number three. It's called Late Date, and if there's any uh, solos on here, I'll, I'll tell you about them after we hear the music. So this is the Art Blakey Big Band, recorded at the tail end of 1957, and uh, it demonstrates his abilities as a big band drummer. So we begin with Midriff.
We heard three tunes from a rather rare date that was done for Bethlehem Records with uh, a big band put together for this one occasion by Art Blakey. And uh, we heard three tunes. We heard uh, the first one was entitled Midriff, 
uh, that was written by Jerry Valentine, and that featured solos by trumpeter Bill Hardman and very obviously John Coltrane on tenor saxophone. The second tune was called Ain't Life Grand, and it was written by Al Cohn, who played the saxophone in the saxophone section. Um, but the soloists on there were Ray Copeland on trumpet, John Coltrane once again on tenor saxophone, and Walter Bishop Jr. on piano. And the third tune was, uh, there was no particular uh, long solo in there except some breaks by Art Blakey. As a, that was a more ambitious piece written by um, a young lady who was playing trombone in the band, Melba Liston, and uh, she wrote, composed, and, and arranged as well. So, And that tune was called Late Date. So we heard Midriff, Ain't Life Grand, and Late Date with the Art Blakey Big Band, kind of demonstrating his ability to uh, function in a big band. He was considered one of the great big band drummers, although his profile was more with uh, smaller groups. Speaking of smaller groups, this is a very rare live recording with... Art Blakey's best friend, and his best friend was Thelonious Monk. Uh, interestingly enough, we paid tribute to Monk last week. Uh, Monk was born on October 10th, and in 19, uh, October 10th, 1917. Blakey was born October 11th, 1919, and of course, uh, celebrating his uh, centenary. Um, this is Monk's working band with the great Johnny Griffin, the Chicago Fire, on tenor saxophone, um, Ahmed Abdul-Malik on bass, and the regular drummer is Roy Haynes. However, this was the final selection uh, at, uh, of the evening at um, a famous New York club in Greenwich Village where Monk uh, held court for uh, many, many months. Uh, maybe years, really, if you add up all his engagements there. Uh, the club was called the Five Spot Cafe, and uh, it was a dive, but uh, the acoustics in there were really good, and uh, it was packed all the time. And um, Mr. Monk uh, made that his home uh, for quite a while, the Five Spot. Anyway, this was the last um, tune of the evening, and sitting, hoping to play was Monk's best friend, Art Blakey. So he called him up to the bandstand, and he Blakey sat behind uh, Roy Haynes' drums and, and played them. And, of course, we're going to hear the results of that. And the results of that was um, they chose a tune written by Monk called Baya, and then it segues into Monk's closing theme for the evening. But interestingly enough, the drummer is Art Blakey. And this is a rare track. So, Thelonious Monk on piano, Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, Ahmed Abdul-Malik on bass, and Art Blakey sitting in on drums.
that's it for the evening at the five spot, where this was recorded in uh, New York City in August of 1958. Art Blakey sitting in on the last tune with Monk's regular working quartet with the great Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone and Ahmed Abdul-Malik on bass and, of course, Thelonious Monk sounding particularly energetic and inspired because his best buddy was playing drums uh, on that one tune, and uh, Blakey had a way of uh, just uh, inspiring Monk uh, to great things. And, of course, uh, as I said, they were very, very close friends. Thelonious on piano and Art Blakey sitting in on drums. And we heard uh, Monk's composition called Baya, and then it segued into his uh, closing theme that he always closed the sets with, uh, Epistrophe. Thelonious Monk and Art Blakey. Yes, they're, they're both Libras. They were, as I mentioned before, Monk was born in Rocky Mount, Cal- uh, Rocky Mount, California, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and raised in New York. He was born on uh, October 10th, 1917, celebrating 102 years birthday anniversary, and Art Blakey celebrating 100 years. Art Blakey was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on October 11th, 1919. Art Blakey, the great Art Blakey. Subject of our jazz feature this evening, and of course uh, Blakey's music and the jazz messengers and all the recordings he made will never be strangers on the jazz show. We're going to stick with some live music now, but uh, this time at a university. Finney Chapel at Oberlin College, March the 2nd, 1953, was a particularly inspired night for the Dave Brubeck Quartet. And of course, in the 50s, before Take Five and all this kind of stuff, Brubeck was basically dealing with... um, standard tunes, tunes by Gershwin and uh, Harold Arland and that sort of thing. But they had uh, arrangements to these tunes, uh, the band did. And, uh, of course, they'd worked out little patterns and things like that. And uh, that's basically what the Brubeck repertoire was. But this was at the beginning of um, Brubeck really lucked in um, in the 50s to the college audience. And uh, this was his preferred venue, and he played colleges all over. It was suggested by his wife uh, because he was getting, Brubeck was getting tired of working in nightclubs with distracted, drunk people, all this kind of stuff. And uh, he kind of wanted to get the group out of that. Although, you know, there were certain select clubs that he liked, but uh, some of them, a lot of them were just uh, horrible and uh, not a very good place to play (laughs) <laughs> serious music. So anyway, Brubeck uh, was beginning to book himself um, at colleges throughout uh, the U.S., and he became very, very popular with the college crowd. And uh, his, um, and eventually in 19, I think it was in the next year, he uh, was one of the first jazz artists to um, get a cover and a story in Time magazine. So he was kind of a phenomenon at the time. And this is just before this rise to fame. But this particular evening, the quartet was on fire. Dave Brubeck on piano, Paul Desmond on alto saxophone, Ron Crotty on bass, 
And Lloyd Davis on drums, a fine swinging drummer that went on to become a lead percussionist with the San Francisco Symphony for many, many years. All recorded March the 2nd at Oberlin College in Finney Chapel. We're going to hear two tunes from this legendary concert. The Way You Look Tonight, unedited version, I must say, and How High the Moon, both uh, standard tunes. The Way You Look Tonight was written by Jerome Kern, and the second tune was How High the Moon, written by Lewis and Hamilton. The Dave Brubeck Quartet, live.
The Dave Brubeck Quartet from an early performance at uh, Oberlin College in Ohio. And, uh, of course, back in 1953 to an enthusiastic college audience of not only music students, but just college students. And uh, they fell in love with the Dave Brubeck Quartet. Paul Desmond on alto saxophone, Dave Brubeck, of course, leading the band on piano, Ron Crotty on bass, and Lloyd Davis on drums. We heard two tunes. The first tune was written by Jerome Kern and the quartet's arrangement of The Way You Look Tonight. And the second tune, of course, was a classic written by Lewis and Hamilton called How High the Moon, two specialties of the Dave Brubeck Quartet. And, of course, this is way, way before Take Five and all this kind of stuff. And uh, the quartet was basically doing uh, standard tunes and with their own special arrangements, of course. But uh, that was the repertoire before um, all of that changed in the late 50s with, uh, with Take Five and all those other tunes that came into the repertoire. Dave Brubeck, classic period in the 50s. And... We're going to turn now to uh, a couple more tracks from this uh, just newly released album by the John Coltrane Classic Quartet. This um, music was used on a soundtrack, uh, a French-Canadian production done for the National Film Board. um, And the title of the uh, movie, of the soundtrack, which is available, you can get it on, uh, on YouTube, and you can watch uh, the French version, if you understand French, or the uh, subtitle version uh, of this uh, movie, and it was called Cat Out of the Bag. And um, uh, it was done, uh, for, as I mentioned before, for the uh, National Film Board. And uh, it, the movie was about a couple, um, their relationship... Uh, in the mid-60s, in the ever-changing political climate of Quebec. And um, it's quite a neat little film. And, of course, John Coltrane, through contacts that the producer had, uh, agreed to do uh, some music for the soundtrack. And that has never been issued until now. And, of course, it's um, a rare item uh, or... Uh, previously undiscovered item. And, of course, uh, it was recorded during the time of um, John Coltrane's classic quartet, and they were at their peak. So we're going to hear two tunes from um, that were used. Uh, some of it was used on the soundtrack of this movie. And uh, all of this was recorded uh, in Van Gelder's studio in uh, New Jersey, June the 24th, 1964. So we're going to hear um, a composition by John Coltrane. It's a 12-bar blues with, with, with a, um, a bridge. In other words, it goes 12, 12, 8 bars, 12. And um, he calls that one training in. And he had recorded that way, way back in the 50s. But this is an updated version of training in. And the second tune, of course, is his classic ballad that he wrote for his first wife. Naima, and that's what it's called, Naima. 
the John Coltrane Classic Quartet. McCoy Tyner on piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, Elvin Jones on drums, and John Coltrane on tenor saxophone. Thank you. 
Two pieces of music recorded by the John Coltrane Classic Quartet. Mr. Coltrane on tenor saxophone, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. And uh, both of those pieces were used in the soundtrack of the National Film Board uh, movie directed by Gilles Groux, and it was called Le Chat Dans Le Sac. That's the name of the movie. And it, uh, you can find it uh, if you uh, on, on, on YouTube and watch the whole thing. It, it's very interesting. About 10 minutes of Coltrane's music was used in the movie. And, of course, he recorded um, enough so that uh, Monsieur Gru could use whatever he wanted in the soundtrack. And, of course, uh, the music um, had never been issued before. And, of course, they found... Uh, a proper uh, tape of this and did all the legalities and uh, eventually uh, issued this music just a few weeks ago. And it's called Blue World, John Coltrane. And, of course, it's from a golden period in, in Coltrane's career and a golden period with the classic quartet as well. So we heard two tunes. The first one was entitled Trainin' In and the second tune, of course, was John Coltrane's immortal ballad, Naima. We're going to turn our attention now to one of the great Hammond organ players, the queen of the organ, Shirley Scott, originally from Philadelphia. During this time, she was married to tenor saxophonist Stanley Turrentine, and they were playing together uh, in a band. And, of course, this was recorded uh, live in a club, um, and we're going to hear uh, the, the group. Uh, I forget the name of the club now, but uh, whatever. Um, it's the, uh, a club called The Front Room, and it was in Newark, New Jersey. All right. Uh, in December of 1964. So Shirley Scott on the Hammond organ, Stanley Turrentine, her then-husband on tenor saxophone, Bob Cranshaw on bass, and Candy Finch on drums. Otis Finch. Otis Candy Finch, a very, very fine drummer. And this is a piece of music written by uh, trumpet player Dave Burns, and it's called Rapid Shave. Thank you. 
the great Shirley Scott on the Hammond organ with her then-husband Stanley Turrentine on the tenor saxophone, one of the great voices of that instrument, Bob Crenshaw on bass, and Otis Candy Finch on drums. That was a composition by trumpeter David Burns and entitled Rapid Shave. And all of that was recorded in December of 1964 at a place in Newark, New Jersey called The Front Room. Yeah, Shirley Scott. We're going to close this show with one of my favorite versions of an Ornette Coleman tune. And this was the very first time that somebody recorded a Coleman tune. And actually, no, it was, I think, the second time. Barney Kessel recorded, was the first person to record an Ornette Coleman tune, other than Ornette himself, of course. And uh, the second person to record an Ornette Coleman tune was Art Pepper, one of the great alto saxophonists. This is from one of my favorite Art Pepper albums, too. Art on alto saxophone with Jack Sheldon on trumpet, Pete Jolly on piano, Jimmy Bond on bass, and Frank Butler on drums. And all of this was recorded in L.A. in October of 1960. And to conclude our show this evening, Art Pepper playing Ornette's great composition, one of my favorites, Tears Inside. Whoa, I, <laughs> I programmed the wrong track. Uh, that's a good track, too, but uh, we're going to hear Tears Inside uh, because I told you that's, that's the one we're going to hear. And so we're going to hear it. Here we go.
Art Pepper on alto saxophone from his album Smack Up, uh, which was recorded at the uh, tail end, or actually in October of 1960 in Los Angeles. Art Pepper on alto, as I mentioned, Jack Sheldon on trumpet, Pete Jolly at the piano, Jimmy Bond on bass, and the great Frank Butler on drums. And that was an Ornette Coleman composition entitled Tears Inside. Concluding our Thanksgiving Day edition of The Jazz Show, and um, if you joined us uh, partway through the program, great. If you uh, stayed for the whole show, wonderful. And if you uh, stayed for just a few minutes, that's cool too. Anyway, we'll see you in seven days' time. We do this every Monday night. We start at 9 p.m., And this is The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be back next week on CITR-FM 101.9 or, of course, for live streaming, www.citr.ca. So we hope to see you, and take care. I can't say enjoy the weather uh, because it's really (laughs) – it's going to be kind of – Um, beginning of winter weather in Vancouver. So uh, at least we're not Winnipeg, so that's cool too. Anyway, take care. We'll see you next Monday evening. Same time and same station. Bye-bye now.